What do you need to do to develop an authentic or more authentic relationship that will be consistent over time with these professionals, if they're professionals in the case or your coach or whatever it might be. And so they need to be able to see you and not see what your ex says about you, right? This is easier said than done, but that's really your goal when you're doing this. Welcome to the Rising Beyond podcast, where you can find hope and healing after a toxic or abusive relationship. I'm Sybil Cummin, a licensed professional counselor specializing in working with victims and survivors of domestic violence and narcissistic abuse, including the youngest witnesses. Over the past decade, I have been honored to witness victims move to survivors and then to thriving in their lives. If you feel alone in your healing process, are dealing with the onslaught of post-separation abuse, or just needing some validation that you are not crazy, you are in the right place. So I want you to think about how many people are in your child's ecology. And I'm thinking outside of the family unit. So you might be thinking teachers, coaches, maybe like a piano instructor. But if you are dealing with family court or an abusive ex-partner, you might also be thinking things like a caseworker with child protection or a GAL in the family court system, you know, any of these other professionals, a therapist, your child's therapist. So how is it that you can create a relationship with these outside people that have a pretty big impact on your child's life in a way where they see you, they understand what is in your child's best interest, and in a way that refutes any false narratives that are coming from your abusive ex-partner. That is what we are going to jump into today. I'm Sybil Cummin. This is the Rising Beyond podcast, and I just want to thank you all for being here. And I've actually been asked this question over and over and over by so many people, specific questions of how do I talk to my child's therapist when, or my ex is telling all these lies to school, so now the school thinks X, Y, Z about me, um, and I don't feel safe there, and, and things like that. So I really wanted to address it. So when we look at these cases and we look at your abuser, it is highly likely that their goal when anyone else is brought into the picture is they really, really want to take control of the narrative. So you already see this with like the basic smear campaign to family and friends on social media, all of those things. But when it is with a caseworker or your child's school, it can carry so much more weight than if it's just a family or friend. And that's really scary. So what do we do? How are we going to communicate who you are, really, your child's needs, what's actually going on in the situation? And again, like really be seen in a way that doesn't get you in trouble or make you look like a crazy person. Because I think that's the fear is that you will look crazy because some of these stories seem crazy. 
So what can you do about it? And what is the best way to deal with this situation? So first, your first thing is to just manage your expectations. This is highly likely. It is highly likely that your ex-partner is going to smear you somewhere with some professional and take control of the narrative. And many of them are really skilled at doing this, right? It's how they got you. It's how they love bombed you. They're going to use a similar process with a child protection caseworker, with the child's teacher. They're really good at times of having that first impression of being just the concerned parent. They're really likable to the outside world, even though you now see them in a specific way. They're really good at that, finding out what people want to hear and saying the thing. And so it makes it really difficult. So again, that first step is just, they're probably going to do this. So I'm going to have to figure this out. So what they are doing is they are from the get-go building a relationship with these people. So they want to maybe build the relationship with the school, even though they may have had nothing to do with school in the past. Or, you know, really, I see this huge with therapists, right? That's me, child therapist. I see it really big there is that they really want to build a relationship with me or within the child protection world. They really want to build a strong relationship with that caseworker because if they do it first or they maybe do it better, they feel like they can then write the narrative, And then you feel like you are playing catch up. So it's really, really important that you, second step, is do whatever you need to do that fits your value system to build your relationship with these people. Now, here's the tricky part is that you likely feel broken. You may feel really angry. You may look traumatized, which sometimes looks as You know, people would say like a crazy person. And I say that with love. I don't mean that in any bad way at all. And so what do you need to do to develop an authentic or more authentic relationship that will be consistent over time with these professionals, if they're professionals in the case or your coach or whatever it might be. And so they need to be able to see you and not see what your ex says about you. And this is, right, this is easier said than done, but that's really your goal when you're doing this. So what can you do? If at all possible, when you're dealing with the different professionals in your case is trying to find a way to maintain your composure, to stay as calm as possible, to manage your nervous system to feel prepared when you're heading into a meeting with them or discussing a tough issue. And this is hard because you have right to be emotional about things. And so I think if if they see emotion, I always say this with family court, you get to be a little bit human, but don't get to show all of your human. Because in these cases, you probably feel really angry, like enraged angry. But if you show up to a school and your ex-partner has said, you know, I'm really concerned about mom and about child because mom really is not emotionally stable and you show up acting really enraged, it'll fit the uh, what your ex-partner said and 
not give you a good impression there. If you already have a good relationship, maybe with the school, you don't have to worry about this quite as much. But in new relationships, you actually do have to worry about these things a little bit. So you're going to do the things you need to do to regulate your nervous system. So you're, you know, as, as far out as of that fight, flight, freeze response while you're having these communications. And so when they get to see you as you and they see more of your ex's patterns than your patterns because you're consistent, they will be able to see the situation. So it is important to find ways to regulate your nervous system. We have several episodes earlier on this year that explain how to do that, how to regulate your nervous system. So just like with family court, the next step is, or the step to have, and hopefully you've already been doing it, but you're gathering evidence, truth, you're documenting, you're collecting things that refute the lies that are being spread about you. So emails, texts, and other documentation so that you can have them with you because you are going to support your story with factual information. And so before you maybe request time with them, which is kind of our next step, you are going to make sure you have the appropriate things together so you're not scrounging for them later to show why what your ex is saying is inaccurate. So then it's important to address this assertively and not just let it go by. So if they're sharing really detrimental things about you that are not true, it is important to assertively let people know that they are not true, right? The longer we let people believe something, the harder it is later to refute it. So you're not going to be super aggressive, but you are going to maybe assertively ask for a time to meet with them and schedule that time with whomever you need it to be to address the situation. And it'll give you space. You can even address you know, when you're requesting the meeting, I like to do it in writing personally, but, you know, I would like to share some inaccuracies that were shared with you, or I would like to share documentation that prove that you've been shared, you know, inaccurate depictions of me or of the situation or of the child situation or whatever it might be. When you are with this meeting, similar to how we respond to our exes and, you know, our co-parenting apps, you are going to really focus on the facts and really try to stay on topic. Because if it's uncomfortable at all, they may try and shift the topic. Or they may be doing it not harmful. You know, they don't believe it's harmfully. It's not intentional. But they may ask you something like, you know, do you have mental health support? Because this seems like it's a really hard situation. But you're there to talk about an IEP meeting or an IEP then it would maybe be appropriate to say, you know, I appreciate you asking about my level of support, but I would like to bring us back to the task at hand, which is the IEP for school, which is if you're like, what is an IEP? It's the individual education plan for your your child, if they have that at school, but to bring them back to the topic. And you're going to clearly, and uh, you know, as clearly as you can and objectively as you can state facts and observations rather than your opinions of things. You're going to 
emphasize the impact that your false, that the false information that they have, how it will impact your child, them having the incorrect information. So I want you to, right, if you're multitasking or whatever, I want you to hear this, come back with me and really listen to this piece because it's going to be the hallmark of all the pieces is you are going to emphasize the impact that the false information that has been shared may have on your child's well-being, on your child's education, on your child's experience in therapy. It is about how it's impacting your child, not how it's impacting you. So that is really, really important. And I want you to remember that throughout each of these. I want you to be as cooperative as possible. So show your willingness to listen if they have something to say of of things that they've seen, even if it's hard for you to hear some of them, it will be data no matter what they're sharing. So if they're regurgitating a false narrative and you're like, yep, fight or flight, I'm leaving right now, not listening to the conversation anymore, that's harmful for you because you need the data. You need to know what this person thinks, what this person knows, what this person believes, so that you can then, you know, present information accordingly or find information. And so really being able to sit back and listen is important. And again, listening to learn rather than listening to just respond. And then you can offer assistance as they're sharing things with you, concerns, you can ask for their support, again, in for your child, on behalf of your child, not on behalf of you, maintaining that open communication with them, right? So before you leave this meeting, kind of setting a precedence of like, so how can we follow up with each other? What is the best way to follow up on this in the future? Is it via email? Is it via another, you know, you're going to set another meeting time. What is the way to maintain open communication? And then you can, you know, send them updates on things that are affecting your child, really working to maintain a positive working relationship with whomever this is, right? So we going back to that beginning where your ex-partner will initially start off strong with this relationship, very often after they feel like they've gotten what they want or they've shared the false narrative, they've lied about you, they don't have a positive working relationship with this person. And the next time they're going to be involved is when they have to share more false things or they're defending themselves on something. So if you can have this consistent open communication, that is really important and that will help you. If it is going beyond, like you are really trying and you're doing all of these things and it's not working. This is the time to suggest or not to suggest, but to, to reach out for more support. So some counties, I don't know if this is true in every state and every county. So I don't want to say that, but in our counties, there are people within the county that are going to help you get what you need for your child. They're like an advocate, like an educational advocate through the Department of Human Services or through the school district. So there are some options that way. If it is specifically with school, if it is with a therapist, does that therapist have 
a supervisor or can you get a second opinion somewhere else? Or do you need legal help and representation? If you already have an attorney, I'm hoping that they're being made aware of all the things that are going on just to make sure that you are protected, that what you're doing will help with the strategy of your case and things like that. But really, the, again, the focus is how do I protect my child's rights and their you know, health and well-being? And so throughout this entire process, you are showing consistency. Consistency is the key. You are showing up. You are maintaining your focus on the best interests of your child, not of you, not of slinging poo, even though that feels really good to sling poo about your ex. That's not the goal. Anything you're sharing is solely because it is impacting your child, not to, you know, make a friend, right? Not to get anyone on your side per se. The goal is to be like team child, not team mom or team dad, team child. So that's the focus. And then this is a huge piece of the consistency that your ex-partner probably won't do. Your words will match your actions. So what you say you're going to do, you're going to do. And if you make a promise of something or you're going to follow up on something, you're going to do it. If the therapist is asking for you to try a coping skill at home and in the email, you're like, oh, absolutely. We're going to try the coping skill at home. Guess what? You're going to try the coping skill at home. You're going to give your best effort, right? So you are going to do what you say. And that is so important. You show your concern and then you do what the concerned parent does, right? You're not going to show your high level of concern like your ex-partner is going to do most likely, but then they are not going to do what a concerned parent does. So again, hopefully these kind of steps or, or strategies or ideas can help you the next time you have to build a relationship with your child's therapist, or you have to build a relationship with a caseworker, a GAL, a coach, anyone at your child's school. And remember, the primary focus should always be on your child's welfare, their best interests, and maintaining a safe space for your child. You're doing these really hard conversations when you likely don't have the capacity to have these hard conversations, you're doing it because it is what's in the best interest of your child. So if this was helpful or you have more questions, maybe this led to more questions than it you felt it led to answers for you, I want to hear about it. I want to hear about it. You can reach out to me at info at risingbeyondpc.com. And I am happy to have that interaction with you. So again, hope this was helpful. And I will catch you on the next episode of the Rising Beyond podcast. If you're healing from relationship abuse and are looking for support and sisterhood during this journey, I'd love to invite you to the Rising Beyond community where you will get expert guidance, connection with others going through similar experiences, and a safe place where you'll always feel seen, heard, and believed. To learn more and to join, go to www.risingbeyondpc.com. We'd love to be a part of your healing journey.